Hello and welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Dr. Jessica Marichevich is a writer, educator, researcher, and the founder of Empathic Paws. She has spent years researching all the benefits that therapy dogs bring to K-12 students, and in particular has noticed a lack of integration into the high schools where teenagers could really use the extra support. As a teacher and a mother, Jessica understands how important social-emotional learning is for the physical, mental, and emotional benefits of kids of all ages. She decided to start Empathic Paws as an organization to help spread awareness and to advocate for more schools to bring in therapy dogs, offering her expertise and insight to those interested in turning the idea into a reality at their school. Jessica, welcome to Dog Save the People. I'm so thrilled to have you with us today. How are you? Very good. Thank you. How are you? Doing great. Now, whereabouts are you? I'm in Westchester. I live in the very dog-friendly town of Rye. Amazing. I read this on your website, and I think this is such a beautiful phrase. Dogs are the protectors of childhood innocence. And that, to me, says so much about the importance of having dogs growing up. I wanted to ask you about what your childhood was like with regards to dogs. Did you have these, quote unquote, protectors of childhood innocence at your side? I grew up in a town called Putnam Valley. The river was a place I frequented a lot. And some of my best memories are there. And they're accompanied by the memories of the dogs that I had growing up. From the age of four, there was just always a dog or two or three that were by my side. I'm proud to say that I get emotional when I think about my dogs because each one of them, even my first dog, Ralphie, everyone played a role in my journey and why I'm here right now. So Jessica, you decided to get your PhD in educational leadership. But you didn't start out researching the student in a therapy dog bond, right? Yeah. You started out studying civic or international mindedness. I had a totally different dissertation pre-COVID. That first dissertation, the essence was how IB schools cultivate civic and international mindedness. COVID happened and I got pretty sick. I was just horizontal on the couch. My son was 11, and I heard this laughter coming from outside. And I just walked over to the back windows. I'm envisioning it now as I'm saying it. And I saw Judge, my German shepherd, on one side of my son, Jacob, and Daisy, our Leon Berger, on the other, literally prancing, having a great time. And Daisy, and she still does this taking a pair of socks and throwing them up and catching them. I saw what Judge and Daisy were doing for Jacob. And I knew that other people deserved an opportunity to feel that. And it was at that moment, I went to the table where my laptop was closed. I opened it and I moved my dissertation to the trash. And I said, I'm starting over. I want to look at the human-animal bond, specifically therapy dogs in a high school. You have some established therapy dog programs in elementary settings. It comes back in college, 
And it comes back when you're in the corporate world for wellness day and people are bringing in therapy dogs and some organizations even have them present all the time. But what happened to high school? Absolutely. It's an opportunity for high school students to develop and cultivate more empathy, more advocacy, to connect with the idea of social responsibility, all of these things that will make them amazing global citizens, ultimately. So Jessica, the qualitative study that you did is called Therapy Dogs in Secondary Schools. And I wanted to ask you, why do you think high schools are often left out of the picture for consideration of having dogs? A couple things. The perception is that if you're going to bring a dog in, that's going to take away from academics and making sure that these kids are prepared. And what my study actually showed was that it did the opposite. It made for a much more enriching and really inclusive learning experience. Like students were bringing in human-animal relationships and therapy dogs into their own research, their own senior thesis assignments, and also community service. It was innately happening. My findings suggest that the student-therapy dog relationship helps to promote self-advocacy. I also think there's a lack of knowledge and awareness of how to implement a program that would be long-term and forever a part of the learning community. At the secondary level, I would suggest that there isn't a programmatic inclusion, like we're writing a letter now to judge. No. Based off my findings, it's the omnipresence of the therapy dog that has such an impact on school culture, and the relationships that these students have. In my study, there were schools that had established therapy dog programs that were international baccalaureate schools and had these programs in place for over 20 years. Some schools had 10 therapy dogs, some had one, and it didn't matter. Students were interacting with other students that they normally wouldn't. Sometimes within a high school, you might have a designated class for students who are neurodivergent. The therapy dog, just being there, created that opportunity for students to be peer leaders, peer tutors, where you have your neuronormative students wanting to go and be involved with students that, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago, wouldn't be in the same setting. That's so wonderful. At the end of the day, humans want to be loved and they want to feel that love and they want to have the opportunity to give that love in return. Loving something other than yourself could kill hearts and minds and bodies. Dog people know what dogs can do to bring joy to us and make us more connected, make us more empathetic, all of those things. And yet I understand that people might look at it and say, oh, it's too hard. It's too complicated and it's too much outside of what we're trying to do here. And it's interesting when you talk about creating a better and more healthy structure so the therapy dogs are there all the way along. Because I've had some guests that have advocated in some way of having therapy dogs in schools. It seems as though a lot of schools 
bring them in maybe temporarily when there's a crisis? We've seen terrible things on the news that our schools experience. I am left to wonder what could have been if maybe a therapy dog was there before this tragedy occurred. If therapy dogs are good enough to bring in post-trauma, they are most definitely good enough to bring in before the trauma ever happens. I am fortunate enough to be a member of the Harrison High School English Teaching Department for 18 years. In a high school, there's this idea of college and career readiness, that we have to get these kids ready. We go from bell to bell, 45-minute periods, and then we have these state assessments, local assessments, external assessments. I think the subject areas are important, but are they going to give you the opportunity to practice ways to put yourself in the shoes of another and think about perspective? and how someone else might feel. High school students, having worked with them for as long as I have, (laughs) there is still innocence there. They are in this adolescent period of their life. Like my son, Jacob, he's 14 and they're still people and they have emotions and they have needs and they have fears. So there's research that keeps saying social emotional learning needs to happen but it's not. We need to make sure that students are able to interact and communicate and make an impact in some way post-school. I want to make sure that our students are going to school feeling safe and secure and happy. I want to make sure teaching faculty and staff are going into buildings happy. I want everybody to feel included and dogs are powerful. And this is something brought up in my study, one participant I interviewed spoke of the therapy dog as almost like a co-teacher and it alerted her when students were struggling. She shared how the dog walked over to a student who had their head down. The student lifted their head up and had tears coming down their face. The dog stayed with that student the entire class period. And then when the class period ended, The student kneeled down and said, thank you. And that's just one story. I recently went back and looked at some of the transcripts because there's so much data there beyond social emotional learning. Something that was interesting a participant shared was how the therapy dog helped to dismantle barriers of toxic masculinity. This was a high school. English class in the Midwest, this participant shared how students could be kind and you could be loving and affectionate to the therapy dog. And no one would mock you or judge you. And the participant loved to see them have the opportunity to be so genuine with their guards down and their hearts open, interacting with the therapy dog. The omnipresence of the therapy dog in a high school is a unifier. They're the great equalizer because they bring out so much in all of us. And it's interesting because 
these are young adults. You know, they're kind of in that in-between world and they need it more than anybody. I really believe that. So I love that you've done this study. I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you about Empathic Pause, which you just recently founded. Yeah. So Empathic Pause first started out as a blog advocating for the inclusion of animal-assisted therapies like therapy dogs. I want high-poverty schools to have an opportunity for a therapy dog to be omnipresent in their school. So students who attend schools with a high-poverty designation still have the same opportunity for social-emotional competency development as their peers across the country. And in the meantime, just assisting schools that are just interested in animal-assisted therapies. If anyone were to come to me at some stage of the therapy dog implementation process, I could tell you exactly what you need to do to make sure that happens. And I am 100% confident in that because I'm so passionate about the student-therapy dog relationship. I want people to no longer view the inclusion of a therapy dog in a high school setting as a detraction from the student's learning experience. The fact that you have this incredible body of work, this qualitative study, you can speak to this so beautifully, like probably very few people can. And you can really hold their hand and guide them because I think there's so much great intention. But I think that to get through the red tape or through the bureaucratic levels of education for somebody who understands that, you're going to be able to be so helpful to so many people. And I'm so glad we're speaking because this can only help, I think, to amplify this message that is so important. And so I'm hoping that our listeners will take this and run with this as well and will feel free to reach out to you. So how do we find you online? How can we find you and reach out to you, Jessica? Yeah. So on Instagram, on Twitter, and also on TikTok at Empathic Pause and my website, Empathic pause.com. I would really encourage everybody to check out the website because it's so beautiful and it talks about your story and sort of how you got to this place. And I think that all of our listeners will be able to relate to this in some way. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica. Thank you. I've talked to a couple of guests over the years, such as Courtney Burns, who's a guidance counselor at a school in Las Vegas, about the positive ways dogs can impact young, impressionable, and vulnerable kids in a school setting. But what Jessica is saying about the lack of these therapy dogs in high school specifically, when that's such a pivotal and sometimes stressful or traumatic time in a young person's life, really struck a chord with me. I would love to see that become normalized and have support dogs in high schools everywhere. I tip my hat to the work of Empathic Paws and all the individuals and organizations out there working hard to get more dogs brought into the schools. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by, as it should be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. Special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also find show merch in our online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.